in Sweden, we have extremely uh, good and well-developed uh, ecosystem for supporting research spinning out from university or research institutes. And that you don't find in, in all the countries. So here in Sweden, for example, as a researcher, you usually uh, have the right to file patents and you get even support from innovation centers at the university to help you to, to patent uh, your research findings, which is great. In the last episode, Mamoun Tahir explained what graphene is and dove a lot into the details of what they're doing at Graphmatic, in particular to accelerate the commercial application of graphene. And like many deep tech companies, Graphmatic started based on research in a university. In this case, Mamoun's research as a postdoc at Uppsala University led to him in the end starting and founding Graphmatic. Similarly to Jacinto from PFAL Solar Power, which we had on before, he was a researcher with no previous entrepreneurial experience and was essentially in search for lab space when he noticed that this is a, vi a viable thing to do. And he was also looking for approval by his supervisor. In continuing our conversation from two weeks ago, he explained to me the first steps he took when noticing that his research might actually be able to be turned into a company. So what happened there that once I, I believed I had, uh, I, I had an invention that solves the agglomeration issues of the graphene and enabling the large scale manufacturing. Uh, so I got uh, extremely good support from Uppsala University Innovation. And then the support has been to look at the patentability of that solution. And then this, and we even got financial support for filing the first patent. So the first patent was filed, and then I got encouraged actually uh, by the ecosystem again uh, to take the next step or even the next leap from taking, I mean, from being a researcher with an, an idea or an invention, very early stage, to take a leap to take it to the commercialization phase. Mm -hmm. So I founded the the, uh, the company. And then I got uh, interest from potential investors. Uh, so the first interest I received uh, was from Inno Energy, the European Institute of Innovation. And then they, uh, they supported with services and then they became a co-owner of the company. Mm -hmm. so a, year, uh, a year after foundation, so there has been a lot of uh, work on proving the technology and trying to scale it, scale it up slightly more than a few grams and even making some prototypes. What happened during that year, so we have been still located at the Uppsala University. So we had like a corner in the, in the lab. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, uh, we have been looking to join uh, ABB. Uh, it's a big, uh, a big Swedish Swiss company. Uh, their incubator in a city here in Sweden called Vesteros. Mm -hmm. So uh, this incubator called Synerlib, and it was perfect timing because I have been also connected through my research to ABB uh, corporate research investors. So we got actually access to ABB uh, materials and chemistry laboratories investors. And that has been quite a great asset, uh, uh, so to speak, from the start. Uh, being an entrepreneur with an idea with limited uh, capital access. Yeah. 
having the access to the chemistry and materials laboratory is uh, is just amazing. Uh, so and this has been utilized to the to the extreme, and then uh, <laughs> so uh, we started to to build the team around the innovation uh, because we, I believed from the first day, and based on recommendations from great advisors, uh, regardless how great is your uh, invention or technology, uh, you need a great team to execute and take it to the next level. And this is what I started to work uh, actively, finding the right team uh, components and build a spectrum of uh, expertise. Mm -hmm. So today, uh, proudly, we are a team of uh, 18, uh, steadily uh, growing. Uh, we are still based in, in Uppsala, but we started our sales office in Germany. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have a bigger vision uh, to, go, uh, to go even beyond and to be a global company at the end. No. Um, when you how the the research project that led into this this invention um was that planned or was it like a side product of some some other it was project? a side it was a side product of uh, a planned or ongoing project uh, mm -hmm. so the project was uh, vinova financed uh, and to uh, to incorporate uh, graphene inside uh, inside metal for making components or product for abb and there I started to realize the uh, challenges working with the graphene uh, and try to take it from the laboratory few uh, milligrams or few grams into maybe half a kilo or a kilo. So there you start to lose the, the properties and the performance of the graphene. And this is due to a technical challenge called stacking or agglomeration. So, and then I started in the side of that project so how this could be potentially uh, solved. So mm -hmm. I used the uh, knowledge I gained during my PhD project, uh, actually, where I uh, researched on uh, quite interesting molecules called ionic liquids. And then combining okay. the knowledge I gained through my PhD together with the knowledge I started to gain during my postdoctorate. So has been like a great two puzzle pieces to put together. And that this has been the, uh, the birth uh, of ours graphene technology and the foundation of graphmatic. Mm -hmm. And then did you did you go to a supervisor and said, hey, I uh, like we have this invention now, this is working. This would be something that's quite valuable to the world. Can I can I do this? Or uh, uh, absolutely. And uh, so here I take the the opportunity to uh, to thank him again. <laughs> I still actually work with a fantastic professor at Uppsala University. His name is uh, Ulf Jansson. Uh, and the Department of uh, Inorganic Chemistry at Ungesrum Laboratoriat. Uh, so that uh, that dialogue and this relationship has been super supportive. I mean, for a researcher um, or a potential entrepreneur, I mean, mm -hmm. to get the needed support in order to take the next step and, and so on. So the guidance and the motivation and that, uh, it has been really, uh, really important for me as a researcher to take the next step. And you did, you, did you take any courses during your undergrad or PhD, maybe for like, I don't know, entrepreneurship economics courses, or was it just, okay, this is working yeah. and I'm just going to ask people how to uh, sign a patent, how to get lab space, how to hire people, all that uh, sort of stuff. Not exactly, but I I believe the, um, so I had the, the entrepreneur inside me since I was a little kid. Uh, mm -hmm. So since I was a little kid, I have been really, motivated to selling things, okay? 
and trying me to create any anything that I could sell and make some money, I uh, triggered my interest. Uh, but after the uh, the PhD, I tried to take some uh, uh, business administration MBA uh, master courses online, mm-hmm. um, and I learned uh, I learned some. Uh, but I didn't, I mean, at the end, I didn't complete uh, because I got busy with building the company and these kind of things. But what I realized that uh, the best school or the best course ever is reality. So where do you go? You practice, you try it yourself, and then you try always to do it your way. Uh, because uh, the experience from others is extremely important to learn and to uh, to look at. But at the end, it's you who is going to do it. So uh, you try to do it in the way you find it fits uh, your mentality and your way and, and so on. And this is what I feel proud of, uh, that I, during Graphmatic Journey so far, uh, I have been doing the things in the way that it fits me, not trying to copy someone else because at the end it doesn't work. Yeah. Is there any any problem or approach that stands out to you in your, in your memory about it or...? Uh, so while you, I mean, it's uh, while you are building your entrepreneurship journey, uh, you try to uh, to read and listen to all these super successful entrepreneurs uh, at the global scale. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, there is a trend that uh, people might try to copy or try to get uh, to that level, but that is quite dangerous uh, because those people. Uh, they have different environment, okay? They have different mentality. They have different uh, circumstances. So if you try to copy a model that doesn't really fit you, it will make, it will be heavy on you. And then at the end, you don't find yourself making the progress you wished for. So that's why I try to free yourself from all these heavy uh, expectations and try to be realistic as a person, as an entrepreneur, with the given environment and giving circumstances, where can I achieve and try to execute on that? The world doesn't run on Steve Jobs only. No. <laughs> no. So you were, you mentioned that you were sitting in this, uh, in the corner of one lab, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, were there the, the other PhD students and postdoc, were they, they looking at you like, okay, what is, what is he doing over there? Or were they... I, I think I was uh, I was joking after I uh, I founded Graphmatic. I was joking with the other uh, colleagues. Uh, I was perceived as a stranger, uh, <laughs> showing up really late in the lab and leaving uh, leaving too late. Uh, so I can tell you that. So one of the instruments I I still love the most is uh, e- scanning electron microscopy uh, mm-hmm. SCM. And in the clean room at uh, Ungostrom Laboratory in Uppsala, I used to book uh, the time slots at the end of the day, like after 6 uh, p.m. And then why I was doing this, not to have anyone behind me in the booking queue, so then I can stay as long as I wanted. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, and at that time, I was living in another, another city. I was living in Vesteros and mm-hmm. commuting to Uppsala. It's like one hour drive. Uh, and then I was telling my wife that, okay, today I have an SCM session. And then by default, she started to know that I am, I am coming like too late, really too late, like yeah. after midnight. Uh, mm-hmm. 
So because once I was in that uh, in that clean room, sitting and looking at the microstructures, I really forgot myself. And then what happens? That's an interesting experience. Uh, when you spend too many hours in the microscope, scanning electron microscopy, looking at the tiny details in the nanoscale, and then you are done, and you try to get out of that room. So, and then the scale difference, because you you really went into the nanoscale. Yep. Now you try to live, uh, to get back to the macro scale. And then it takes quite some time to realize that, okay, is the size of the objects real or no, I am I'm still in that scale. So for example, the hand of the door, it takes some thinking, what I am seeing here is real or no, it's maybe a different scale. <laughs> It's a quite interesting experience, I can tell you. Yeah. Yeah, because your wife wasn't, I don't know, you coming home from, from the lab and just you're still somewhere in between two worlds and like, yeah, the handle might either be. And I, I can tell you things. always before I started to drive my car back uh, to the other city, uh, I took at least 20, 30 minutes taking a cup of coffee and just trying to, I mean, to get back to reality <laughs> okay. from being a couple of hours in the nano uh, world. Yeah. <laughs> and then you, so you had this interest by the Uppsala Innovation uh, Holding Company and by, by various investors. When did you hire people first or did you look for, for customers first or um, how did it work? So uh, the, the first uh, hire, I would say it was mainly uh, a consultant. So a consultant with some experience in uh, business strategy and these kind of things. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, hiring is quite expensive. And if you make uh, the wrong hire from the start, uh, so the consequences could be uh, extremely large. So we have been uh, slightly careful with the, with the hiring. Uh, but then, I mean, the main hiring came after we took the financial round. Uh, so after we got capital to the company, we started to uh, to work with active uh, hiring for key uh, positions. Mm -hmm. How did you decide on the candidates? Or well, because you you never hired someone before, I guess you might have been in the that, committee. That has for... been that has been a challenge, uh, yeah. honestly speaking. Here, uh, and I can add that regardless how experienced you are, uh, the risk of making wrong hires will be always there. Uh, yeah. So uh, hiring or building team is one of the uh, complex uh, subjects that people underestimate its importance. Because, I mean, uh, it's not only the, the competence, uh, it's also the personality and the, uh, the team integration and, and, and so on. It's two, two different uh, parameters. And uh, these parameters, maybe not everyone is expert uh, looking at all of them at the same time. Maybe you are good at looking at the, uh, uh, the technical competence but maybe you are not that great in looking at the social uh, competence or at mm -hmm. the uh, uh, team integration or team spirit uh, things. So that's why uh, try to listen to experts, I believe, or try to collaborate with someone who has experience with this. Uh, this might help quite a lot in startups. Yeah. I mean, you're already quite the, the rare case with knowing the tech, but also having this, this wish and desire to, to sell things this talent potentially so you're already kind of merging the two 
the two things that you definitely need. So that's already quite a benefit. And then if you also know how to hire people, it's basically the hat trick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but as everything in life, uh, so some talents, we get them uh, inside us, okay? It's in our nature, so to speak. Uh, but regardless how talents you have, you have to keep developing them. Uh, and for example, by taking courses, uh discussing with partners or through mentorship programs so it's if you find that this competence is needed for you to succeed in in your role but you don't have it well developed yet i think one should be honest with uh, him or herself and try to acquire and to develop that competence and no one is regardless where you are <laughs> no one is expert in 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 everything and it's absolutely fine, I mean, to be great in something, but less great in other things. And mm -hmm. try to balance them, I mean, for the best success of your, in your role. No, always struggle to figuring out what, like, where you're good at um, and where you're definitely not good at. So <laughs> I know that, so you mentioned that you have uh, 18, 18 employees currently. Um, yeah. And on your website, like a few months ago, maybe recently, um, you announced that you finished your series B, I think uh, we yeah so we closed financial round yeah. uh, summer 2021 mm -hmm. uh, with a total uh, capital 84.5 million Swedish kroner uh, that includes for example uh, new emission includes a bridge from the existing owners and uh, a venture debt uh, from uh, a bank so, uh, and we are going to utilize this for further growing, of course, the organization for the business mm -hmm. development and for building pilot, uh, pilot clients. Uh, so now, for example, we are very busy uh, building manufacturing capacity uh, for some of the products we have been developing in the past couple of years, mm -hmm. trying to take them to the uh, pre-commercialization phase uh, where we are able to offer our customers uh, capacity of, uh, of tons instead of capacity of uh, grams or <laughs> kilos. Uh, so we are very busy with that. Uh, so after the uh, new capital raise, so our team has increased by around 60%. So we made very interesting injection of a new layer in our team uh, related to business development and to sales, mm -hmm. uh, where we are uh, uh, sharpening our commercialization planning and uh, market entry and these kind of things. Of course, we continue to focus on uh, technology development, uh, keeping our cutting edge and building our IP portfolio as a great asset for, uh, for a company like Graphmatic. Uh, so we have, uh, so that uh, kind of injection of capital is extremely uh, important for accelerating our growth and taking market position and growing it further. Yeah. Um, you very effectively took away my technically last question um, on an outlook for the future. So <laughs> I, I'll have to fill it up with, with another one. Why, why did you initially start your, your postdoc on, on Graphene or maybe your PhD as well? Uh, it's... You know, I believe in the past 20 years, okay, I have been studying, researching, and even doing PhD and postdoctorate in the field of material science, uh, because I have very big belief that materials are everything, right? We mm -hmm. human, we are making, we are made from materials at the end. <laughs> so, uh, and being able to uh, manipulate 
uh, or master the materials. So it's extremely exciting. So you can make exactly the same material to be very expensive and very high performing and to be very cheap and it has basically not much value. And if you take, uh, if you take graphite and uh, diamond, so both are carbon at the end, but yeah. one of them, I mean, has a huge value and another one it's used in pencils. So <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to be the master of uh, nanotechnology or of materials to be mm -hmm. able to design them in the way that I can make a positive impact at the global scale. So I have been building up this, and then I came to the point that being a researcher is fantastic, but it's not gonna to uh, contribute to the level I, I always wished. So that's why I took, okay, let me take the next step. Let me do it in yeah. reality and building, okay, taking research results, making a factory or factories, trying to manufacture this and give it to the industry and then here I will be satisfied that I am doing the impact I always dreamed for, the positive impact. And then it's again uh, about making the only planet we have, okay, really more sustainable, smart utilization of utilization of the resources and making industry smarter and more efficient, basically. And I believe we are on the track for delivering this. Uh, so we made great progress. Uh, mm -hmm. But it's, it's just the beginning. And I believe together with the team I have at Graphmatic, so we are going to nail it successfully. Yeah, I think from, from the looks of it and the the public resonance with various awards and investors basically flocking to you, you might be on a very, very well and good path there. So it's going to be very interesting to look what what's going to happen in the next time. Without years neglecting with the challenges, but challenges for us, they are motivation for doing even better. So uh, yeah. it's always, I mean, you face challenges in the, in the way uh, you are, you are uh, drawing and the driving, uh, but that's uh, for every entrepreneur uh, or hybrid entrepreneur based on research. Uh, go to the extreme and if you believe in the idea, so build the right team, get the right investors, and just like, okay, believe inside yourself that yes, I am able to do it. Keep repeating this because at the end it helps. I think I couldn't find a better uh, final sentence to end it. Thank you very much for this. It was uh, a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. In two weeks, I will come back with a conversation with Karin Ebbinghaus from Elon Road, a startup here in Lund which explains how electric roads for electric vehicle, like cars or trucks or buses work. Actually, this is then also my first ever in-person recorded episode. So I'm, I'm quite excited for it. And in the meantime, if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to press the subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts.